I know a lot of you probably listen to me every week and you think, wow, this girl has a really good grasp on technology, um, microphones, how to use them, and uh, using them well. Hate to say it, I didn't do so hot this week, alright? Forgot to, forgot to link my $50 mic to my free program on my computer, so it doesn't sound good on my end until about minute 21. Now I want you to, to, to basically forgive me for this in advance, and if you can't, that's totally fine. You'll forget one day. You're gonna dox me for my fucking problematic shirt. I'm vain. I needed to point this out. What's up? What's up, Alan? Holy shit! I love that. Wait, where the fuck did you get that? Did you like go to the boardwalk and like request that, or was that available somewhere? This was a custom internet purchase that I made when I had quarantine money. Oh yeah, feels like ages ago we can't use audio of me showing a shirt um, <laughs> yeah for, for everybody who can't th- see them is so funny yeah it's really good <laughs> there were I wish so, you guys oh, could so see funny. it I, oh man i wish everybody i wish you could all get on the call right now everybody jump on i just sent the link <laughs> no but really this is incredible it is like a boardwalk music by alan sylvestri shirt how do you <laughs> yeah, have like, that what the like fuck? fucking king's this dominion airbrushed this is I'm as so important in like letting people know who i really am as the wig and makeup it's actually much more important alan silvestri is my gender yes we're gonna talk about it later but um my uh my boyfriend scored this movie and i'm so happy for him and so I am wearing, by chance, a scorpion <laughs> shirt. What the heck? I'm a so fucking genius. Fucking I didn't even good. mean to do that. I took a, like... a big bus ride, which is sort of like <laughs> if you could drive a train. If you could drive a train on roads. And that's where they got the idea for a bus. So in many ways, I too am honoring the legacy of uh, The Mummy Returns. Uh, Dixon's wearing a camouflage shirt. (laughs) (laughs) He's a floating head. I can't see his body. It's camouflage, much like the oasis uh, that the little mummies hid in. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, and it's funny that you mentioned that because to get ready for the episode, I desecrated a tomb as spectacle. Oh my god. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Wait, that's actually really like kind of related to the movie. That's so like funny and is it? Yeah, that's I hadn't yeah, thought weird. about it. But no, it, yeah, like because because you were texting me and you were like, "Hey, I just like uh, uh, broke into a place of ancient knowledge and history, and I'm now I'm quipping with my wife." Um, <laughs> so that really contextualizes. Holy it for shit! Me. Okay, I mm-hmm. literally just remembered I was actually there with my <laughs> slingshot. That's oh funny. my god, dude! I literally forgot I was there with PJ mm-hmm, and yeah. their partner, and they were just like being so cute and like really hot, even though they've been married for ten years. <laughs> and I had my slingshot, and I was just kind of like fucking with some thieves. So it's just kind of weird. 
and I just remembered uh, that I was one of the thieves, and I noticed you, and I noticed that most of your dialogue was being ADR'd, because like it wasn't kind of matching your expression. And I noticed you turned your back to me a lot, so we heard you, but we didn't see your mouth move. Big fan of Alex, huh? <laughs> I I hate that I'm like the. You're the ragging on the child actor guy. Dixon's like, I'm not going to give them a break because they're young. <laughs> That's respectable, though. It is. Hold children accountable. Mm-hmm. Listen, you gotta understand that if if we did the Scorpion King movie, we'd, we'd like we'd be here for nine weeks, you know. Uh, we'd, we'd be doing this for nine weeks. Um. Well, I mean, like, I I feel bad, fucking, because like. Children in movies, like, who knows the kind of time they have. Like, it's mm-hmm. such an, uh, like, it could have been really fun and a great opportunity. It could have been really exploitative. And for me to, like, be on a podcast 20 years later when I'm like, I'm not convinced you really are the son of adventurer Rick O'Connell. <laughs> like, where the fuck do I get off? That being said, he's, this kid fucking sucks. Hey, we're, oh. hey, we're dead horse. Mm-hmm. Hey, us three. I just want to point out super quick and piggybacking off of what Dixon said is that we are dead horse. We are a podcast (gasps) about forgotten and misbegotten movies under discuss and under we don't talk too much about them. So we want to now. (laughs) And I'm Becky. Um, I'm Dixon. And I'm PJ Audenzia. And oh, my God, Becky's I just checked in Becky's right. Like we're literally dead horse. Like we're a fucking podcast. Yeah, I always forgot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, n- n- nice try with the segue, but I'm going to say more curse words about the child. No, no, no. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're talking about the Mummy Returns. Um, the was it the year after uh, the Mummy? It, pretty Two quick years, turnaround, I think. Yeah, yeah. 2001, uh, right? Wait, when I th- did I think so? Mummy. 1999. 1999. Oh. Yeah. I love it even more. Yeah. So so pretty pretty quick turnaround, and also um, I kind of. I thought that this was when, like, perception and box office for these things started to slide. And that may be the case with perception, but this movie made a ton of money. It, like, oh, yeah. It, it was, it, it, like, almost broke a record in its opening weekend, if, if I recall correctly. Yeah, the second highest weekend, opening weekend of all time at the time, um, except uh, number one was The Lost World. 2001 was such a. I mean, especially before, you know, that thing happened in 2001. Christmas. What a... Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, um, 2001 is just this, like, like, both very formative and, like, disposable year, and it feels like, like, the 90s just had, like, a year and a half more of themselves that we had to get out of our system. And I'm thinking about, like, what were, like, the movies of, of 2001 building up to then? Um, one of them is Spy Kids. Don't mm. know if you've heard of it. No. 
I don't watch it. It fucking sucks. I didn't rewatch it two days ago, so that's kind of interesting that you bring it Why up. Why would you? Why would you? There's there's nothing to talk about there. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, that summer is also uh, Shrek comes out that May. Um, American Pie 2, uh, The Animal with Rob Schneider, uh, Corky Romano. Um, just a, just a heavy hitter of a fucking year, man. Jurassic Park 3, everyone's favorite in that series. <laughs> I remember people like fucking like, you know, I, I grew up in a small town, like, mm. and we had to go to a neighboring, slightly larger small town, uh, to go to the movie theater. And I remember in 2001 people like, you know, small town camping, uh, for outside the theater for the opening of Corky Romano. Um, <laughs> shut the fuck up. The country just had Corky fever. <laughs> have you seen what the poster for that movie looks like um no it's uh it's chris Catan with this like gun to his head rictus grin um and it's just his floating head on a yellow background and it says in big provocative red letters who is corky romano um as if to get you excited about the mystery of like not just who is this this incredible man with this horrible uh uh chimpanzee submissing smile what does it take to be corky romano and that's what that movie's about um i want to i i not do it this is so hard for me because like i i long ago swore off or i you know being one of those people who like who you know makes other people feel small for liking things i don't like and that's the thing that i am always the most anxious about happening when i'm talking about something i don't like i I never want anybody to think that i am talking down to them i think that they're like foolish for liking this i don't want that to happen here so you know that's the universal truth of everything i'm going to say about the mummy returns a movie i um really did not like like really really didn't like like we didn't get into like i i hated spy kids 3d this isn't quite there but i got very little out of this experience this is my favorite movie (laughs) (laughs) oh no this 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 might top them all for me Okay, and am I wearing rose-colored glasses? No, I have rose stems in my cornea, like just cutting open my eyeballs. Um, I just watched this movie twice in the past week, and what's not to like? We've got adventure, we've got romance, we've got... 2001 suburban dad energy planted into the 30s i mean there's so many chapters to it it's so silly but it's so to me i love it and i am thrilled to do this today (laughs) okay i'm I'm glad (laughs) i am stoked uh pj oh man um stop fighting <laughs> um no look i i rewatched this movie last year when i was doing this kind of like blitz of uh of brendan rewatches um and and had a lot of fun with mummy one and really expected that this would 
go along with it because you know i we talked about it a little bit on the the last episode but our generation of internet users um are obsessed with this movie and it has in that way kind of re-entered the mainstream because for the last like couple years on the internet it feels like every seven months buzzfeed republishes an article that's like seven ways that the mummy movies were really out here for the buys Mm -hmm. um and this movie is lumped right in with that so i assumed that they were at least like on like fairly equal footing um and i think there's lots to love in here and there are things in it that i'm very charmed by that are not going to be around when we do mummy 3 tomb of the dragon emperor <laughs> um but i'm i'm leaning a little closer onto dixon's side here than i would prefer to i think this movie really recaptured for me the feeling of like uh like a late summer programmer movie that makes you kind of exhausted by by act three becky i think this one might be my spy kids too Mm. like the way you and i both felt Mm -hmm. about island of lost dreams is i think where i'm at that makes actually perfect sense like my frustration with that was like i don't know how to talk about this movie like there's so much going on it's a mess Mm -hmm. and if i hadn't memorized the entirety of the (laughs) mummy returns i might feel the same way but Mm. i i love the variety of plot like it's just so much going on um and but i in my defense feel like this has like a more clear through line than spy kids do so fuck you pj i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) no Um, i'm with you actually i see that like um i think both of them have like incredible heart but this for me at least feels like i lost my train of thought i lost my train of thought because i got (laughs) (laughs) self-conscious no no No, for saying fuck you, because I think everybody is allowed to love what they love. I just, like, it's really hard for me to separate, like, I'm, like, so excited to talk about this because it is really hard for me to separate what I grew Mm -hmm. up loving and what's Mm -hmm. good now. Yeah, yeah. And, like, this this is not one of those movies for me, but, like, there are many movies where I'm in your exact same position Becky, um, the 1997, I want to say, Godzilla, 1997, 98. Um, God, that movie fucking sucks. And if anybody but me says that, yeah. um, <laughs> get ready to uh, beat me up because I'll lose the fight, but I'll start one. <laughs> Do you have that kind of like, like, they don't love it like I love it, kind of like, that's my little brother, only I can say that. Mm. You don't hate it in the right way. Just Carmen kind of Cortez feeling? energy about I, I, it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Like if I saw somebody shoving um the nineteen nine if I saw somebody shoving Matthew Broderick up against a locker mm. and lifting him up while he said, Put me down, put me down. I, I'm tough. I I killed two people. Um <laughs> <laughs> I, I I would like step in to save him. Um and then, you know, as we were walking away, I'd you know, smack him in the back of the head. Yeah. Saying, what are you what are you doing hanging out with those kids? And then um, shove him in a locker after that. There you go. Good call. Do it on your terms. <laughs> Do you... I want to hear Dixon's summary of it. Okay. Um, Good luck. <laughs> uh, so, it's Egypt. Um, <laughs> where it's Egypt and uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, um, a few years from his big break in, in Skyscraper, 
um, is, uh, you know, l- leading his army against um, against the the Magi. Are they the Magi? No, it was just the He's Scorpion starting? King's army. Oh, yeah, okay. against the Magi. Yes. Against the Magi. Okay, good, good. Um, also, uh, my viewing of this movie was definitely in segments, so if I fudge some details, um, y- you know what? I'm not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I could only take it. Um, <laughs> um, and so he uh, loses against the Magi. His army is cast out into the desert. Everybody dies but him. And with his dying breath, he's like, Anubis, if you help me conquer, uh, if you help me conquer the Magi, then I'll give you my soul. And Anubis is like, hell yeah, because he just hears prayers in his head like in Bruce Almighty. Um, and makes this lush oasis, gives Dwayne the Rock Johnson the army. Um, he kicks ass, but then Anubis is like, uh, I got you, and yoinks him away. We, we cut to um, l- later in Egypt. We're in Egypt. Um, Brendan Fraser and Rachel Vise are uh, desecrating a grave because of how expensive their son's precociousness lessons are. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> But don't worry, he's he's passing with flying fucking colors. Um, so he, okay, here's where stuff gets really fuzzy for me because they get this bracelet that mm-hmm. they take to Lon- take back to London. There is a cult that is after the bracelet that includes. Um, the mummy's sort of reincarnate, not fully reincarnated girlfriend, but like 75% there. Yep. Uh, she needs like the booster shot yes. at the end. <laughs> um, and there's also the Book of the Dead, which they have, or do they have the Book of the Living? They, they have the Book both. of the Dead. Okay, so they raised the mummy because they want the mummy to have the army of anubis uh for they they think that would be a cool thing to see is why it would Um, take over the world can't can't the mummy just do that though like that was the whole last movie was just like (laughs) if the mummy does the things that the mummy does in the first 20 minutes of this movie we're fucked (laughs) you know that's a really good point (laughs) (laughs) wait keep going keep going um and then uh so I know what you were thinking uh, the whole time you were watching the first mummy. Like, yeah, that Rachel Weisz, she looks kind of Egyptian. And, you know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so it Funny turns you should out, mention that. Yeah. Uh, so it fucking turns out that Rachel Weisz <laughs> is also a reincarnated person from the mummy and from the mummy and his girlfriend's court. The Pharaoh's daughter who saw the whole thing. Um, the whole original, you know, mummy betrayal go down. She she was off in the corner. They just. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny cutting to Rachel Vice in period makeup, going like <gasps> at, at footage from the original movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so they so oh also uh Jonathan, he's got this fucking stick, um, and every time they talk about it, it's so funny. So uh, funny, dude. It turns out that the stick is a spear that can kill the Scorpion King, who is guarding the place they need to go to get the army of Anubis. And whoever... Ki- 
That's yeah, that's right. That's good. The sand is falling through my fingertips here. <laughs> um. So then, Alex, what I, they I knew find? This. If you help me remember the plot of the Mummy Returns, I will give you my soul. <laughs> um. And then Alex, um, incidentally, Alex, their son, puts on the 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 Scorpion King, the bracelet of the of, of Anubis, and then. Rachel's uh, kidnapped, but then they find they like they need the bracelet to like raise the army. So then they kidnap Alex, and then um, Imhotep and them kidnap Alex, and then he has to like show them the way to Amsher, which is the lush paradise that the god Anubis gave to the Scorpion King in uh, to trade for his soul. So then that's where that's where the fight goes down, and then that's mm. that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a dirigible. I for I forgot to mention in there. Yeah. Uh, that plays a big big part um, <laughs> in the proceedings. <laughs> Imagine this movie without the dirigible. I mean, it'd be like uh, what's Serpico without Pacino? You know. Uh, <laughs> I I like. <laughs> you say that, but the, the dirigible is like no lie. Like one of the most memorable and like unto itself things in this movie maybe that's not like a credit to the movie that when you're listing off like what are the best parts of this movie you're like well one of the modes of transportation that they had was so fucking cool dude i i do like i mean for all my joking about it um the those are scenes that i really like there's something kind of like um th that's when i think uh it fully figures out how to um emulate old hollywood is when they're on the dirigible and it's like clearly very fake looking but like they're not really making an effort to make it real and it's just kind of swoony music as brendan mm. Fraser is holding his wife talking about how they're gonna get their son back um it, th there are moments like that um enough to like sustain me and and to for me save this movie from like you know the ninth circle of hell uh brendan <laughs> fraser and rachel vise are still very good um they're still so hot they still have like wild wild chemistry um and uh the dirigible like i said and um there's some other stuff i'm sure i wouldn't have known what dirigible was had i not seen this it's a hot air balloon right yeah i think it's just i think it's long hot air balloon like <laughs> it's a it, different shape yeah, it's like I if can you Google this. Hold on. I just want to tell people that because if I were listening, I'd be like, "Is that an instrument?" <laughs> <laughs> no, that it actually it sounds exactly like because it sounds like didgeridoo. Yeah. Yeah. Dir dirigible's hot dog balloon and hot air balloon is hamburger. <laughs> mm, hold on. Uh, capable of being steered, guided, or directed. Oh, okay. So not necessarily a kind of hot air balloon, although it does generally apply to blimps and zeppelins. So, mm. okay. So a zeppelin is a dirigible, but mm -hmm. a dirigible is not necessarily a zeppelin. So it's like a square rectangle kind of thing. It, it's exactly like that. God, I'm so... F I'm... You're so fucking if, smart. If you need something cleared up, talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Really? I no, quick question though. Mm -hmm. Um if if time is the test, what would you say is best? This yeah. is the one thing. I mean, it's sort of like it, you know, could God make a rock so big even he couldn't lift it? You know, if time is the test, which is a huge thing to accept in the first really place. Really big. Yeah. I like mm -hmm. 
how am I supposed to extrapolate what is best? No. You you people have tried and failed mm-hmm. and died, you know, trying yeah. to figure it out. That's why that's why that eagle dropped the fucking turtle on Aristotle's head. It wasn't cuz he thought it was a big bald rock. He was like, "Oh, that that dude's about to figure out what is best." <laughs> <laughs> Can't have that. <laughs> There are going to be so many people like listening to this episode who did not even even click on Spy Kids for all the time in the world. Mm-hmm. But that's that's an episode that yielded a bunch of riffs that are very close to our big pounding yeah. horse hearts. It's hard mm-hmm. not to think about family as best. Oh, I... family is best. Oh shit. Family Whoa. is best. A, a turtle just flies in through the window. <laughs> 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 Um, yeah. A turtle? <laughs> yeah, from, remember Here's, from the yeah. joke? Cause, because Dixon's joke. Remember, because of oh. my joke? Because Dixon made a joke. Oh. Oh, it's so funny what I said. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. I'm sorry, dude. I, w- what is interesting to me about this movie is that so many people, they, they don't necessarily hold it in high regard, but there is something foundational about this movie to many mm-hmm. people, like uh, a, especially folks our age, like can re- recite like certain scenes is when they first became uh, like aware of, of, of like budding queerness, like you were talking about uh, last episode, PJ, or like certain indelible images in the Mummy Returns in particular. And and I'm wondering like um, w- w- what are some of those for you, Becky? Um, I think for me, I love the. I love the uh, continuation of their love into being incredible parents. Mm-hmm. And like in, in in terms of like specific images, I, I look forward to each part of the movie. I love the fight on the bus. I love oh like all, I love um, when he makes all the sandcastles. I love the journey. Like there are just a lot of like, call like images that i'm like just like oh i love this part because so much happens in this movie it's like hard to like summarize Mm -hmm. i just i forget what's coming every time i watch it and then i get to like be excited that we're at that part i love the grandeur of the army of anubis i love i love those dog soldiers i think they're really scary and i think they're effective and and that they're terrifying and like they do look like the end of the world because there's so many of them Mm -hmm. um i don't know for me this movie as a sequel because brendan and rachel are so talented all their stupid callbacks are really funny and work for me and Mm. like they deepen the movie for me because they're like an inside joke I have with them because they deliver them so well. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. doesn't make it worse to me. It's like a a sweet memory of like that thing me and Brendan and Rachel did together. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so when we get through all of it, and I think really what it is is like their love is so strong, the movie holds up for me. Aww. Like they just really, really like embody like true chemistry and love and so if they weren't if they didn't have that chemistry that i mean especially that last scene where like he's about to like fall into the underworld and rachel goes to like save him like that bucks me up (laughs) where he's about to fall into uh with all like the spirits and emotep is looking at anaxana moon and she runs away because like they don't have true love Mm. you know they waited a many centuries but um 
Yeah, I I don't know if that answered your question, but I think what I love about it is just like the fullness and the richness mm. of like all the different things that they do. But mm. at the end of it, like they love each other. Yeah, yeah. No, that that totally answered it. Like, um, there is, like that that depth of of well acted emotion can be really indelible on a kid. Like, yeah. I I totally get it. Um. And I I do agree with you with regards to Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz's performance. You, you I buy their I buy their marriage. I buy a deep deep love. We just don't get to spend enough time with them. We, mm-hmm. in my opinion, we like that we spend so much time with Alex or the people who have kidnapped Alex or Jonathan. It, like it spread the movie just spreads itself that much thinner. Um, and so it is a breath of fresh air whenever uh, Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz are on the same screen. But, like, they, those felt few and far between to me. Hmm. I have a take for you. I have, a, I have a take for you about where I think that feeling comes from and, and what I would diagnose as kind of, like, my emotional disconnect from like this movie and the script of this movie is that i think uh a lot of characters in this movie from the first one who return get a lot more screen time and they maybe get more action like i Mm. i don't think um i think steven summers is probably one of the only people who would have made a sequel to mummy one and thought we need to bring imhotep back and it's mm. got to be Arnold Vosloo and and we're going to give him more stuff. And there's going to be a whole nother battle with, with Rick between the two of them in this one. I think a lot of characters return and, like, get more action. But I think they have less to do. Like, I think there are ways that, for me anyway, um, there are a lot of ways that this movie does not service... Um, Rick and Evie. And I like seeing them be in love. I like seeing them have this relationship that's well-worn and for them to be, like, well-established partners in both, you know, raiding tombs, but also being a parent of this kid that they feel the same way about, which is, God, he's a handful, but he reminds me of you, so I love him to death, and and God, he's smart. You know, all of that stuff is really sweet, but, um, like... I, I guess we can get into, like, all of the, the Brendan stuff a little later, but I feel like there are ways that they almost, like, retrofit Rick to be a little bit more Brendan-y that mm-hmm. make him a little bit less of the, like, roguish, I've-never-seen-him-be-this-badass kind of character from the first one. Like, yeah. so much of the dialogue in this movie will be getting you to the next place or like summer blockbuster riffs in the middle of an action scene like oh that's not good and i have a bad feeling about this and oh no these guys again and hey where'd you learn how to do that i don't know we'll keep doing it stuff like that like um brendan has a lot of like oh no not these guys again and like you're in so much trouble mister um he also has <laughs> is is your impression of Brendan Fraser is verging a bit on um when uh, Jodie Foster knocks on Buffalo Bill's door. <laughs> oh, 
which <laughs> Brendan Fraser getting pulled into the underworld. They're like, was she a great big fat person? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was what? she a great big fat mummy? <laughs> Put the bracelet I... in the fucking basket. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, see, this is where I, I literally chemically, I can't, when he's like, when his car gets destroyed and mm-hmm. he's just like, oh, I hate mummies. I literally like, my erection like hits me in my face. <laughs> like, it's so Six funny to, to me. I can't help it. Like, I feel like it's earned. I know exactly what you're talking about and I mm-hmm. totally agree. Like, what I, but what I feel like that is, is like, he's not that rogue anymore because he's a dad now and he mm. like really embraces that like, polo wearing dad energy it's like you're in the 30s did they have polos in the 30s um that's a good point but and so i like that character development of his because at the end he's like this fucking crazy badass dad who literally kills a scorpion king sends him back to the underworld and this kid's like watching like yeah um that's my fucking dad like i don't know (laughs) i feel like it's almost more badass because of how wholesome he is like how soft he got and how vulnerable he remains but how good Mm. at fighting he still is that's that's like what my body does when i Mm. watch him (laughs) and i love that stuff to be clear like i love our boy doing that stuff and like doing what he's what he's so good at you you mentioned something about dad energy can i can i throw out a take about brendan's vibe that is like pure projection and pure just like me being a person who's nuts and this might not resonate at all maybe this is just me being weird but I kind of think one of the things that's compelling about both Brendan in these movies and a lot of what he can be like in interviews is that I actually don't think he has dad energy I think he has dorky mom energy Mm. Huh. That might just be because of like what my mom is like. <laughs> She's and, like a lot like Brendan. <laughs> dude, okay, you joke, but like a little bit. There there mm. I've seen interviews with him where he reminds me of my mom so much with the pitch of dorkiness that he gets into, where he'll be like, uh, hello, it's a freaking mummy movie. I think it's gonna be a little bit scary. Like <laughs> There, there is something so my mom about That's that. That's hilarious. <laughs> wow. Um, Wish we could swap. <laughs> Just kidding. I love my mom, but I do love Brendan very much. <laughs> uh, I, would, I would take Brendan instead of... I would swap out a lot of different family members for, for Brendan yeah. Fraser. No too. offense. Mm. Sorry, Dixon, no. what were you going to say? Well, I was just saying I'd get a polycule going. Um, <laughs> but uh, Good take. So there's like... A, a couple of points brought up in here that that I want to throw out my um you know the fresh take on the news of the day real time uh, new rule, um but I so I Rick O'Connell is too badass now Evie is too badass I never felt mm. like they were in any danger they handle all of these bizarro supernatural encounters with a grace that goes beyond experience with this and verges into godlike like the the acrobatic way they're jumping around and shooting zombies in the face feels like a far cry from the opening of the mummy when rick like straight up like runs away from uh, an, an oncoming army 
Um, and mm. like, I, I feel like this Rick would like, you know, see an explosive near a pillar and would shoot it and like, and you know, everything would be exactly as fine as it always was. But like, the uh, mummy one Rick feels like sweaty and worried and very, very lucky. Um, hmm. this, this, mm. this one feels as though he is like blessed by some God to never receive any harm. You know? Yeah, he is. He literally he is. is a warrior. Listen, this white family, they're all <laughs> reincarnated princesses, warriors, and guides to Amsher in Woof. this Egyptian lore. And should that happen? Absolutely not. It is horrifying <laughs> that Rick O'Connell and white ass evie are well i she's supposed to be half egyptian but that's like you know my issue with this is that this white family like from london like they're the ones who are like the the prophecy is fulfilled with them (laughs) very weird and there's like for for me there's like there's two dimensions to the weirdness of that one of which is that like mummy one really doesn't get its its hands dirty trying to fuck around with like any actual Egyptian figures, but making Rachel Weiss the descendant of Queen Nefertiti, an actual historical figure, yeah. is where mm. it starts to get a little weird. Cringe. But then with Rick, like this whole idea that he um, is a prophesied magi, which only really comes up because he's better able to pull a staff out of a wall, is both... That, that's something that becomes a weird sort of trend in, like, summer blockbusters 10, 15 years after this in, like, the, the Orsi Kurtzman era where, mm. like, everyone has magic blood. If you're, if you're, like, if you're up against the villain, then it's because you were part of, like, a royal lineage that brought you there and it's your blood right instead of, like, you're an everyman hero who was in the right place at the wrong or the wrong place at the wrong time and like stepped up to to rise to the challenge but it's yeah. also something that like Steven Summers um seems kind of into because one of the things that no one remembers about Van Helsing which is the the movie he does after this which i think is kind of like bloated over budgeted taken swings with the effects that the tech isn't ready for yet um where, like, no one remembers that in that movie, instead of Van Helsing just being, like, um, like an Irish person who's, like, who studies the supernatural and, and studies, like, religion, he's the right hand of God? Like, he's a descendant of one of God's Whoa. archangels, and that's why he can fight Dracula? Like, they fought each other in, like, a past life? Huh. It doesn't add anything to it. It actually undermines, like... A lot of the things that, like, even, like, like Becky, you've mentioned what's been lovable about these characters is kind of, like, their vulnerability and the ways that they have grown into being adventurers. Not that they were, like, destined by God or by bloodright to to tame Africa. What's that? Yeah, I agree because they're white. But if they weren't, the prophecy stuff is really fun to me like I, I just have a chemical like I just can't handle that that was their choice <laughs> but but I think it I I I think you're probably right <laughs> mathematically 
But when I'm like, oh, like, look at her vision. Like, she's kicking a Noxinamoon's ass. Like, I'm like, oh, this but that is stuff sick. is so cool. It's so yeah. cool. So like, fun. I think it's so fun. I, I, like, it is funny thinking about just like you know the like the like the additional footage of like oh actually Rachel Weiss was there watching her father get slaughtered like that's true and that's funny I also love it I also love getting like a new POV on like a scene we've already seen that's cool mm-hmm. yeah um so I find that stuff really cool and really endearing I just hate that you know it's just like white saviory yeah yes. I, I am a huge proponent of and defender of a lot of stuff like this, and I don't know why this one's just not adding up for me. Well, no, here's here's my thesis. I think that this movie um, excised all of the parts, uh, all of the elements that I liked best from the first one and doubled down on all of the ones that I did not like. Mm. Um, the crappy CGI is Oof, it's like... It's so bad. And, it and, is mm. so fucking bad. If it so? looks, it, lo- <laughs> it it looks worse than the first one. It's, like, it is worse. Um, in in a in a critical essay on this movie by Outlaw Vern, a, a guy wow. PJ and I quite like, um, he mentions that um, the one scene that the mummy is in the mask talking to the kid, like he's so scary. Yes. But when he's like a CGI goop monster, or when he's uh, Arnold Vosloo, it's just like the threat is not as tangible. Yes. And so like there's there's all of the CGI they nothing is scary. There's no like horrific things to sort of like jolt you and and sear a memory of this into your brain at least for me. Um they introduced this fucking wiener kid. Um oh my god. So my favorite ad- addition to uh, the the mummy universe is uh, Lakna played by Adewale Akinue Abaje. Yes, I think he is he's like excellent. He's like incredibly compelling screen presence, and I relate because his arc is basically to just get very annoyed by this kid until he is slain. Um, and I'm so with him when he's just like sticking knives in between his fingers and just <laughs> just, just losing stabbing his mind. Alex. That's no. Oh wow, that actually did sound much more threatening. I'm I relate him. to him when he's like, Lock but when he's stab <laughs> Alex. Yeah, I, I stood up in the bus I was watching this in, going Lock no, Lock no, Lock no. <laughs> I think Alex is not a great, you know, actor. I think he totally, for me, he totally serves his purpose. He's funny. He's cute. He does smart, funny, cute things. He's super annoying when he needs to be. And uh, there are plenty of times he made me, like, laugh out loud. Like, particularly when he's like, Alex, I need you to stay and protect the car. His disappointment was, like, genuinely funny of, like, protect the car i was like all right he's like okay like he does he does listen sometimes he just doesn't actually care if his mom dies that's the one yeah. <laughs> mom mom she's going to be all right isn't she <laughs> dad listen we've got to get to the pyramid they told me that if the anubis is in my sunrise then it'll destroy me dad, the bracelet. <laughs> i well the, he he didn't feel like a person he he felt like um like like a screen he felt like a very screenwriter kid you know he's like mm. there to to quip and outsmart the adults um and that's kind of it i don't know his inner life in the slightest i like 
you know, I'm ragging on this kid actor, but, you know, so much of this is not his fault, if not all of it, because he gets saddled with either the most, like, um, we're putting a button on the scene, kind of like, uh, you know, let off some steam Bennett type thing, or he is just spouting exposition. Like, it's just kind of pinging between those two states. So he's really done no favors. I love him. He feels like another MacGuffin to me. And when he is a MacGuffin, Mm who is the only operator of another MacGuffin, it like, he, he, he just feels like this sort of distant moon in the orbit of like what is important to this story, you know? Mm. I don't know how it is that I, I feel like I like this kid, like the character and the actor, actually a lot more than, than either of you, it sounds like. Like one of my first notes. No, I love him. I, I just I, make I fun of good. a couple line reads. I think he's Fair great. Enough. I think he is a beating heart to this. I, I love him. He's he's like kind of a good fit for like the mummy universe and like Steven Summers' sensibility is a good place for there to be a brave and plucky kid, which is like Maybe someday on Dead Horse we'll do a miniseries that doesn't have a brave, plucky kid. Um, but boo. I... <laughs> boo. Um, I think... One, I kind of like him as as an actor. I think he's got um, just enough, like, gee whiz about him. Yeah. Um, that he he kind of keeps me unjaded. He's, he's good at playing off of... Um, and they're conversely good at playing off of him two people which is um Agbaje is Lakna um and all of their stuff I think is is very so funny, funny. Mm-hmm, very yeah. weird to uh humanize like a like a a b-tier villain who's like also kind of a henchman in the way that yeah. they do with him mm-hmm. but it makes him so lovable and that yes. feels like a mummy thing to do or at least a Stephen Summers thing to do I also think like like one of the things I've tracked in Brendan Fraser's career is like stuff that he's uncommonly good at acting off of. One of them is um, he got good before a lot of other actors had to at acting off of invisible things that would be put in later by effects. In George mm-hmm. of the Jungle, there are a lot of moments where his scene partner is like a Jim Henson gorilla or a CGI <laughs> elephant acting like a dog, and you just fucking buy it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ditto. He's really good at acting off of a kid. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Can we talk about his hair in this a little bit? Because what's yeah? I feel like the the hair curtains, like the very specific middle part on his hair that he does in this movie, which isn't there in Mummy One. It's a little bit more like Chris Evans' mm. Captain America sort of a swoop that I think does him a little bit more favors. But here in like two thousand one he has officially been, like, established as, like, a marquee guy, you know? Like, 99 is a big year for him, where, like, he comes out with Mummy, which is a big success, and and really, like, a big crossover moment for him. It's also the same year as Dudley Do-Right, which bombs, but is really good, and Blast mm. from the Past, which I don't think does well and is okay. Um, 2000, Bedazzled comes out, and then... 2001 is the summer of this and monkey bone. Um, And this is, yeah. um, Where, again, very good at acting off of cartoons. He is a Mm -hmm. believable scene partner for a cartoon. Make of that what you will. This is Brendan's era of the middle part, which I, I don't care for on him. And incidentally, 
and this is my take on like what this movie means in like our our story of Brendan is that I think um, when you are used um, to be like the the selling face of a bunch of like cruddy clog up like studio comedies that no one wants to see and then when they do they get mad it becomes <laughs> very easy to start taking an actor for granted which is mm-hmm. what i think people do with him like this is hap- i'm sure this has happened to you guys with actors before where like you feel as though someone is being like sold to you or like forced yeah. on you and yeah, you instinctually yeah. become like a little bit resentful of them even if it turns out that they have things as an actor that they can do i think that happened to michael Sarah big time Mm. in like 2010 yeah yeah but i um our our first shot of rick is this really cool heroic silhouette that highlights the the dumb fucking curtain on his hair as as if to treating his middle part as though that's his indiana jones fedora like ooh, it's the middle part so funny (laughs) he reaches under a closing door to grab his own scalp and yank it through right before it closes (laughs) billy zane ass haircut am i alone on that yeah i did not even notice that's so funny but i think you're completely right i think that's their attempt at like because Rachel gets hotter. She is so she hot in this. He gets less hot. Because in the first one, he's like crazy hot. Oh I just feel God. like they doubled down on the dad energy. They're like, he doesn't mm. have time to to push his hair over. <laughs> I, I also think that, um, well, first of all, I want to, I totally understand the feeling that you're talking about, uh, yeah. PJ. And I, you know, I, I can, I don't want a Monday morning quarterback here and, and pretend like I was, you know, right all along and I liked Brendan um, because I do remember having these kinds of feelings about him. Oh, yeah. I, I think I was, I definitely feel as though I'm wrong now and am finding like all sorts of wonderful little bits in all of his performances I'm mm-hmm. seeing, but I definitely remember, I think it was like 2008 or something, whenever oh, Inkheart yeah. came out, I remember, when, I, what I remember came out? just being Inkheart. Oh, Okay. A movie I never saw, but just saw him in the ads for, and I was just like, "Really? Like we're still doing this?" Mm. Um, and like, but oh, also, yeah. I think if, if I remember the GQ article correctly, this is around the time where he really starts getting like physically hurt by these movies. Mm-hmm. He's taking uh, a lot of hits. I mean, like performance-wise, one of the first things that anyone could tell about Brendan Fraser building up to George of the Jungle, and I think what gets him that job, is that if you see him in, like, Encino Man, you can kind of tell, like, oh, this dude is, like, game for anything. If you if you give him an assignment, he will, in, in some ways, very literally, put his entire body into it. He does a lot of his own stunts. He is very willing to take a hit on camera. I think one of the things that makes him a compelling action lead is that he really gets hurt. He really takes hits. Oh. And he's he's willing to do that, you know, on camera. There's even a story from Mummy One about the scene where he's getting hanged. Um, he, like, blacked out for, like, an oh, hour Oh, shit. Holy shit. He came really, really close to getting hurt. And while... While he and Steven Summers seem to be on, like, friendly terms, in interviews, they still have a lot of, like, disagreement about whose fault that was. Whoa. Um, now, Brendan starts doing a lot more stunts, and he starts throwing himself really hard at, like, slapsticky stuff where he's really, really, like, low status, and he's this 
and and it goes on especially around like 2008 and then into like furry vengeance is is the height of this where his willingness to be a bumbling buffoon getting hurt ascends to these almost like catholic penance like like rituals a little bit um i think it's it's kind of inextricable from the heart that he has as a performer but it's also connected to this like this very like masculine sort of like like i i i have to put myself through the ringer and i have to suffer to 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 do this thing and mummy mummy 3 comes out in 2008 when he has a bunch of releases that try to like re-emerge him that kind of don't take we'll get to that i'm sure in the next episode but like he he's just taking uh such a fucking beating in in some of these things that um kind of fuels my what's up i said dang i did not know all of this it's it it's it's not something that unless you like actively like read up on and research the actor man from Looney Tunes back in action, which you would, you would have no reason to do. Um, you, you probably wouldn't know, but also, you know, audiences didn't either. And I think, I think this is, this kind of lays the track for how like this human being who's actually going through some shit in real life, especially through the next decade can get treated as kind of a cruel punchline especially by the internet. That's something I was yeah. I was definitely like like guilty of around that time is that it was just it was so easy to make him the butt of a joke because he'd lost a lot of cool factor and also in all of these movies he's playing the role of the guy who's slipping on banana peels and falling on his butt even in what are otherwise like fairly serious action movies. Anyway, mm-hmm. thank you for coming to my TED talk. No, that's so good. I did not know any of that. I kind of miss, because I'm not a George of the Jungle person, like, Mm -hmm. I I like the movie, I just didn't grow up watching it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I have a perception of him as being super cool, because this is what I know him from. So I kind of missed out on the, let's all give Brendan Fraser a noogie. Like, I didn't know (laughs) him that way. So this is, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, very informative and makes me super sad, because... He, I mean, if you're going to physically, physically do all of the shit you're doing, like, it sucks that he didn't get respect for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think some something he says in the, in the GQ article is um that he got, by the time we hit Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, he, he said he was, like, really nerdy about, like, brands of braces, like, for your body. And, and like, packs. brands oh, of ice packs. Yeah, yeah. And and stuff like that. And you can... I, I think you're right, PJ, in that this role gets a little Brendan Fraser-y. Um, it, it, this role, rather than getting more Rick or... And I feel like mm-hmm. studios start to kind of flanderize him. Like, I... Oh, yeah. Yeah, actually. Where they, like, they take this in and they just kind of, like it just becomes this snowball rolling down a mountain mm-hmm. of like, well, this is the things he's good at. So we'll, you know, make him hurl himself around the studio and somebody else sees that. And, and it be, there's a lot of begetting going on and, yeah. and he's just stuck in this cycle. I, I don't know. That's, that's like a, that's theoretical. I, I feel bad, you know, cause I, I feel bad being like, maybe that's what happened because 
that has happened, like people going like, whatever happened to that guy has, has been like a good 10 year period of Brendan Fraser's career. And it was, what was happening was he was going through an incredibly hard time. Yeah. And we were all just kind of like memeing about him and being like, where's the mummy dude? And so like when I put forward that theory, even though I don't know, maybe there's something to that. I, I feel guilty. I mean, it makes sense. Like, if that's just, like, the trauma he endured, you know? Yeah. We didn't know. Um, and, like, I think it's always fun for people to be like, what are happen- why aren't they entertaining me? You know? Like, yes. it's just so yeah. easy to yeah. do that about someone you kind of liked or thought was sort of cool and totally forgot about. But, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 I feel like, like, Brendan Fraser also um, is, like, it's it's also like kind of unfortunately emblematic of like um you know celebs are real people too yeah yes um and like in a way that both in, invites a lot of conjecture and um makes you feel bad for making that conjecture yeah that's super true mm-hmm. i just i don't know i think i just i think i just love him so much mm-hmm. i think he does everything so right in this movie and like yeah. it, it, the more really i learn doesn't. about him the more i hear about his journey as like a human being in the industry like it just makes me love the movie more like me he too. just really delivers mm-hmm. he really fights he really sells shitty exposition hack lines <laughs> and makes me laugh at them like I don't know. There's just so much that's so fucking corny about this movie that I just devour because mm-hmm. he is incredible. And I think I think that's really what it comes down to for me is mm-hmm. um, I'm just a fan. And so it's hard for me to separate the corn from Brendan. I totally, totally get that, especially because um, one of his virtues as a performer is that there is absolutely no condescension. Like yes. in yeah, in his yeah, character yeah. creation, there he like, there is no like kind of wall like there's distance. There's no audience between. wink. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there's a lot of condescension towards everybody else, but in a genuine way. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a great way of putting it, he, Becky. Because he he really is committing to everything he's doing. He's not like too. He's not too good for this movie. Mm-hmm. Like he, even though he is, he's not <laughs> behaving that way. Yeah. I mean, um, on, <laughs> oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, I was uh, I uh, was going to make a joke that required a proper noun I forgot. Oh, okay. Um, so it's it's great that we... Yeah, um, collided. It's great that we didn't address this. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's dig into it. I want to know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, unlike, uh, unlike the guy who did the music for the first Mummy, because is that James Horner? Jerry Goldsmith. Jerry Goldsmith, sorry. Go. I, you um, fucking cocksucker. <laughs> That was me uh, falling into the scorpion pit. The scorpion pit. Okay. Wait, can we just, before we get into that real quick, I want to talk about. You don't like it. The completely. (laughs) You don't like it. (laughs) The the Grinch is here to take your discussion of, (laughs) of film score away. Um. I might be with you, actually, but take the oh, floor. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about, like, the underworld. Yeah, so I, I like the underworld itself visually, but the climax is when all of these various... I, I mentioned this last time and that the movie had a, a dozen MacGuffins. This one has two dozen MacGuffins, and each one of them are having a different effect 
in this like last 20 minutes of the movie and i'm not sure what's what what made the scorpion king come out is that just like with, with the An- anubis like yeah. uh, the second the you... bracelet is on someone he come he wakes up in seven days do you have to kill him in order to command the army yeah okay obviously um uh. <laughs> yeah you fuck so then why does it like why doesn't rick control the army he does he sends him back to the underworld does does he st- how does he Jesus. he does that um. by killing him with the with the spear but but you have to kill him in order to control him. To control so he... the army, yeah. Yeah, but so also by killing him, he kills the army? Yes. Duh. <laughs> I think that makes sense. If you kill him, you can send the army back to the underworld. I I, I think that makes sense, but that's not how it read. It, it just kind of read like the first movie where it just starts collapsing. Is there any archaeological site that's not in danger of collapsing at the slightest hint of a material moving because according to the mummy series of films there is not <laughs> these things are ready to fucking blow <laughs> that's um, true and they're also and, and all like, full of bugs what's up with that just lots yeah, of bugs bug stuff I, bug stuff bug stuff shout the, out to bugs the, dude the uh Anaxuaman's death uh this is what originally brought me here felt so tacked on and funny so lazy she just falls over and whoops <laughs> she just fell she oh fell in a big pit of bugs Slide Dang it. yeah that that's what you get for being mean to your betrothed you get bugged <laughs> you get you get in the bug hole who isn't she mean to she's mean to everyone and so also she really seems like she is the reincarnated Anaxuamon in the beginning. I know, But she's not? This my issue as well. Like, the fact that he's like, only in body. But she, like, knows where he's at, remembers her past life to a degree. And I was just watching this with my sister, and she was like, I, I said a similar thing, and she was like, kind. she's kind of like Evie, in that Evie remembers those things and has this, like, intuition about it, but she's not fully her. And I was like, okay. But then at the end, when they get into their second fight, they refer to each other as their um, ancient names. Yeah. So, like, are... Well, at that point, are, are they've they... been reawakened. Yeah. Well, like, are are they descendants or are they, like, actual reincarnations of these people? They're... they're they were them in a past life, but they happen to look the same. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what it is. Um... Yeah, I just there, there's so many moving parts to this climax um, that involve like so many of the things we've collectively spent like all of these little tiny elements we spent like minutes on and kind of do the same thing, but are also different. And also all of this is prophesized to happen. Um, and this other MacGuffin that um, uh, the terrible brother uh, has been carrying around this whole time is actually a different is actually a thing. And like there's just so much it's it's just so much to me the much is good though because like i love like the billion chess moves that it takes for them to win Mm. like all the human error that it takes for jonathan to steal the spear because we need our selfish brother-in-law to take the spear otherwise they wouldn't have beat the scorpion king so it's like it really is all predestined and was all supposed to was supposed to happen that that to me um 
Well, I, I feel the opposite way you do, but I think in, in, in an interesting way because I, I feel it for the same reasons that you like it. Right. Like, like that no all choice. of this is, is like a predestined conclusion due to their royal blood, I guess. I wish there was another flashback of Brendan Fraser in ancient Egypt watching Rachel Weisz in ancient Egypt watches <laughs> watch stuff from the first movie. Ancient Muslim Brendan Fraser. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Brendan uh. Fraser with face tattoos and and long flowing black hair. Yeah, it's a mistake. <laughs> that for would be sure. awesome. Never mind. I'm glad we didn't get that. Footage. <laughs> that makes one of us. That sounds awesome. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, it, it just apparently these aren't just like a, a plucky bunch of guys and gals who just fell in together like they everything they do is just like led up to this moment because of ancient supernatural forces they don't understand yeah um and that like i i don't know there's like it doesn't feel like daring do anymore but can they it, step if- up to the plate <laughs> you know like i i have eaten shit Many times in my life when I I I was supposed to win that tennis match, and instead I was carried out on a truck bed face down because I hurt myself. Oh no! <laughs> like I just Pathetic. feel like I feel like the only choice <laughs> the choice that they have is just will they try? Like will they accept their prophecy? And it's loose and it's not uh, foolproof for sure. So I totally understand your qualm with it. I just happen to like it. Well, when when you the day before this tennis match, did you <laughs> did you decide to desecrate an ancient burial site and see a mural of yourself winning the tennis match? It's kind of weird. <laughs> um, I was like walking into the tomb and there was like the panther symbol because that's my high school's um, mascot, and I was like, oh, that's kind of like. That's kind of weird. And then there was just, like, this photo of me, like, with, like, just kind of, like, my prepubescent body, but, like, a really, like, cute, like, tennis skirt, like, with, like, the head racket. And I was like, nah, I'm not a believer. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just took me a while. So that's, like, that was my choice. That's why I lost. I mean, that's why I hurt my hip and, you know, rest is history. That's actually wild because when the bus I took to get here stopped at the Davis uh, Transit Center, um i uh like kind of found these stairs um and then i just saw these sights that triggered and i was actually at that tennis get match. out and if you had seen me i was going God like damn it. no someone help her <laughs> wait 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 do you guys remember <laughs> do you guys remember when rick does get the spear he stabs the Scorpion King, and then Emotep runs in to frame Nye. I texted PJ oh a video God. of this. It, it is, it's so hard to describe the exact moment. Please, like, try to find it on YouTube. Please but, like, find it. It's so funny. It's terrible. Cinema. It's, it's cinema. It's a, <laughs> it's a wide shot. Brendan has stabbed the Scorpion King. They don't cut. It remains this wide shot from <laughs> from the side and he's like it's it's like there's scale issues because it's still this wide shot so Imhotep looks like that that picture of Joe Biden and the Carters <laughs> and he just like with with the the practiced grace of a dancer lands on one knee and goes no! like they don't 
cut. They don't fucking cut. And it's like a second too late. <laughs> it like, is. Like he's not reacting to, there's no way that he could have been reacting to the effect. And yep. the angle isn't just like super wide. If I'm remembering correctly, it's like kind of high up to the degree mm-hmm. that it looks like extremely high definition security footage of like a brawl that happened in like a Jersey Mike subs. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it, it doesn't make anyone look dignified. It's horrible. It is what like, it, the. it is the, for me, it's the big sin of the film is like, that's clearly not what we should have done, huh? Like, they're like, well, how do we know? How are we going to let the audience know? Like, Imhotep didn't like that Rick killed <laughs> the Scorpion King and then sent the army of Anubis back to the underworld. Like, how will they know he doesn't approve if we don't throw him in there and have him go, nye! <laughs> what what it feels like is when in high school theater, um, somebody <laughs> says somebody's cue and they're high schoolers. So rather than improvise, they just look at each other and silently panic. Yes. And then like three seconds later, the person enters and the scene starts again. And it's like almost imperceptible, but you just like get this like resonant silence before... Um, the guy playing Imhotep in your production of You Can't Take It With You bursts through the door and goes, <laughs> It's horrifying. Okay, and then the other thing I, I laughed at very much about this movie, and I didn't ever notice it until these rewatches, is anytime there are characters that are, like, chatting before, like, the purpose of the scene comes up, the dialogue is so bad. Like, like <laughs> when Anaxana Moon and Imhotep are alone... Like, finally, right? Before she's reincarnated, like, they're finally alone. He's still, like, looking like a crazy, like, muscle mummy. Um, He's, like, they're, like, overlooking this balcony, and it, like, could be a romantic moment. And he's, like, I will one day rule all of this land. And she's just kind of, like, well, yeah, like, I know. Like, I did (laughs) resurrect you. That's, like, sort of the... I feel like we both know that. Like, they're just saying very obvious things, and then, like, someone comes in, like, my lord, and then it's the point of the scene. <laughs> or, like, or, like, this is the one that fucking annihilated me, is when Ardith is on the balloon with Jonathan, and he's, talk- and he's talking to Jonathan, and he's like, O'Connell flies towards his destiny like Horace, or something like that. <laughs> Wait, wait, I wrote it. I wrote it down. It's so oh, bad. Ardeth. He flies like Horus towards his own destiny. I'm like, <laughs> and then and then Jonathan's like, never mind that. You know, what about the gold? <laughs> it's so stupid. Do you remember that I'm from England? Yeah. I also am. Uh, I One of those um, moments uh, just came back to me um, that where it's like, you didn't mean for it to be like this um, is when... <laughs> Is when it's uh like Ardith lets Horus fly, um, and so it cuts to a wide shot of the oasis and just like this little tiny speck is where where Horus the the bird is just flying around, and then a huge fucking gun moves into the frame and Lockdown's just holding a gun like fucking Elmer Fudd blasts <laughs> this bird all to shit. Yep. It's so funny. I like it. I I fucking love Horus. Horus the Horus. Horus is sort of the best part of the film. I mean, it's a good bird, cute bird. We love Horus. It's a good bird. One of the good best bird. non-Brendan performances in the entire thing that has several good performances that aren't even Brendan Fraser. 
Yeah. You were you were talking about Ardeth on um on the dirigible and and the things that he is kind of here to tell us about um a magical Rick destiny that yeah. never never pays off. I noticed that there are like three separate moments in the beginning where they try to like hang a hat on there being no explanation for why Ardeth is there. And and having no idea how he got there or how he knew that he needed to be there. And oh, yeah. it kind of seems like they're trying to like make a like a wink to the audience about it. That that he just keeps saying, like, never mind, there's no time to explain. We must be walking that way. Urgently. Um Wait, I'm confused. You but he saw what's the guy's name? Hazier? Hafier? He like he was at the the burial pit in Hamanoptra. And he heard that they were going to London. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ardith was? Yeah, Ardith was there. Oh. Sorry. Fuck, dude. Sorry. You can't fucking comfort Ardith like that, okay? I don't know why I fucking brought a knife to a mummy expertise gunfight over yeah, here. Yeah, you gotta be careful, okay? Who the fuck Just do I think it. I am? <laughs> well, let's talk about all the weapons you can bring to fi- uh, to to a little mummy fight. None of them work. Big stick. They'll get you. Big stick in the wall. You gotta be a guy to pull it out. You gotta be Muslim <laughs> Brendan Fraser. They like I. Th- this I think was the was like a big point of kind of pointless irritation for me, because um, just like. These these little guys running around in the Oasis, they're big sillies. They're jumping on people's heads. They're going like, ah, at the camera and shit. And, like, it just really made me miss, like, the conviction to PG-13, like, horrific imagery. There was, mm. like, a sense of, like, it's wild that we're getting away with this in the first movie with some of the stuff. Like, when the dude turns around and he's got no fucking eyes and, and that kind of a thing. And, like the approximation we're getting of that is just these like little baby big headed mummies running around going like and it's like I, I hate them i like how people feel about the ewoks i don't i like the ewoks but like how that's how i felt like i got it i was like oh this is the ewok feeling that Ewok feeling, uh, the, the hit album by Burt Camfort and his orchestra. <laughs> for me, they, <laughs> for me, they play the same role as like scarabs. Like they are just like a third force that like makes both sides of good and evil like run for their lives. So mm-hmm. I mean, they're definitely annoying. Like they're definitely supposed to be annoying. The pygmies, but you know, they killed people in a funny way a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> I, Remember when I, they stabbed that guy? That was crazy. That was so fucked <laughs> up, dude. Yeah. Though so when they jumped on the guy's head and they're using quicksand already, <laughs> I thought, like, oh, I don't want that to happen to me, man. <laughs> I feel like this is the beginning of an era of like um, it being normal to go see a summer blockbuster, and it is just clogged with. Uh, like CGI that looks expensive but still looks ugly and the pygmies in particular like once it starts becoming like affordable for studios to do like armies of little characters that are completely fully animated a lot of them take on this uh cartooniness that that 
I, that I don't really respond to. Like, they kind of remind me a little bit of Blorp from Lost in Space, but they also kind of remind me of... Um, Blorp. I love... Dude, we love Blorp. I don't big. know if anyone here remembers in Van Helsing all of Dracula's babies. No. Um, one of the worst parts of that movie. Um, but PJ... I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but the first time you brought up uh, Van Helsing, you said the thing not a lot of people remember about Van Helsing, and then you were just like, I don't know if anybody remembers this from Van Helsing. <laughs> I, I don't know how many people can like nod along, be like, Oh yeah, I remember that. I mean, if if anyone remembers anything from Van Helsing, it's probably <laughs> like Dracula having a ponytail. <laughs> or the, the costuming concept for uh, Hugh Jackman in that movie, which is, what if a man was wearing everything? Uh, he's got <laughs> he's got long flowing hair and a gigantic like cartoon. It's like kind of a fedora, but it's it's taller and it's also much wider. And he's it's like it's a Carmen Sandiego hat. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, that movie's fucking hideous. I love that movie. Um, that might be my Mummy Returns, Becky. Mm. Don't worry, this monk fucks. <laughs> <laughs> the monk in Van Helsing, don't he gets he, he gets mad pussy. He, he fucking gets it wet every goddamn Dang, day. Dang, that's uh. sick, actually. <laughs> that's another thing. Like Van Helsing is just a reskin of. Of, of the mummy, but like, mm-hmm. but less interesting. And like the character triad of, of your protagonist is very similar to mummy one. I mean, maybe that's one of the reasons that like character wise, I felt like I, there were things that I missed about mummy one. And one of them is that like, it does the actors in the first movie, a lot of favors that our protagonists exist in this, like pretty well-balanced uh, comedic trio of like, um, goofy, tough guy, action hero, uh, clumsy, adorable, brilliant librarian, and C-3PO. And, and that's your trio, and it feels like a lot of stuff gets added onto them, and, and you get the kind of sequel mm. quality that we talked about with Spy Kids too. where, like, they're keeping them going, and, and they keep giving them stuff to do, but to something that I think Becky has mentioned, like, um, I'm, I'm not completely susceptible to the charms of this movie. And I think one of the reasons that it has goodwill and people remember it isn't, it's not, it's not that they were like, that was the most airtight, understandable, like A to B <laughs> plot I've ever heard in my life. I love the pygmy mummies. That's why they were on my lunchbox growing up. No, they, they, they remember these characters being like likable and lovable and above all, they remember Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weiss. Like that's mm-hmm. that's the thing that we have nostalgia for is these two people. And while like you know it's it's very cool that Rachel Weiss got to do more action, and I'm I'm sure that was like a, a request from someone, and she got to wear like pants a couple times. You know, mm-hmm. um, I there was, and it's it's awesome to see her grow and take more agency in this stuff. There was a little bit of personality from her in the first movie that I found myself uh, missing. Maybe totally. the simplicity of one is one of the things that gives it that edge. But well, they but were like, know. she's not a nerd anymore. She's hot now. Yeah, which, that that's cool. But like, that is why we loved her is because she's a mm-hmm. nerd. But like, her yeah. mom wisdom like turned her into this like super fucking cool 
reincarnated warrior, which I am with, but I'm totally with you, PJ, that I miss her like total klutziness. They just give it to Alex. Wow, yeah. It just feels like they got on the spaceship that the cosmic rays hit in Fantastic Four, and when they got back, they just like completely invincible because i it it i felt that way really strongly about evie not just brendan evie nothing nothing can touch her she is like incredibly powerful and and flawless to the point of just like there's there's nothing really for me to grab on other than performance like rachel vise does like a great job with what she's given, but like, I, I don't think what she's given is nearly as compelling because, um, the script never makes her or Brendan feel in danger. She does almost get burned alive. What do you think about that? <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> she, she didn't though. <laughs> <laughs> they got it. They got out of that one. <laughs> they have to. It was like the, <laughs> 20th minute <laughs> <laughs> oh wait yeah don't think so they go to the music is that when they go to the yeah, museum yeah yeah and that's when um all this stuff that was gonna kill the world in the mummy one happens in about five minutes See, that's like the best dig at this is that like he needs the army of anubit like i hadn't considered like didn't he almost do that by himself <laughs> yeah like as, as he was as he was sinking into the pool the first time he was like oh this wouldn't have even worked any oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i'm so stupid duh hello we were talking about like the danger that they get into and um on on my rewatch of this movie last year i think one of the biggest moments that made me feel like I was getting fidgety in a movie theater in the summer, was honestly Evie's death. That was one of the biggest, and I'm sure it would be different if like, if I had the formative relationship with this movie, which I have with plenty of other movies that are much worse than this. Um, I'm sure it would be different. Like, I don't know that I would have the same like, uh yeah okay just just get on with it just bring her back that i had watching it now and you know brendan's giving it everything everyone's acting their ass off i don't know why the lines that they give him are so like baby simba bambi like get up evie i mean maybe I... she's going to be all right dad where are you going <laughs> just think of it this way alex your mom's gone to a better place and i know she's my sister but <laughs> I don't really care. It's just like, what? Yeah. Let's think about it. I'm the treasure man. <laughs> I'm your yeah. treasure man. Brendan's the only reason why that scene works for me. Um, Him yeah. and Rachel. Because I, I care. The, Evie's death matters to me. But Jonathan and Alex, like, totally ruin it. Mm. I, oh, like, I, I do think I rem- I'm not trying to be like, man, Kid Me was such a film critic. Um, Kid Me should have fucking fought uh, Lights, Camera, Jackson. Um, <laughs> should have, But, like, I, I do feel like even when I was a kid and I was watching this with a rented, I was like, Evie got stabbed and I was like, yeah, nah, that's like, they're going to bring her back. Like, I, I have complete, they're not going to let, you know, anything bad happen to our heroes. Um, it, it, it kind of felt cheap, even to kid me. And like, I'm not saying that that was like, God, I was so fucking astute. Cause I would like, 
cry when I got stuck in Star Fox Adventures, um, which happens near daily. Uh, but like, I I just like this kind of rang hollow even then. Mm, that hits. You were gonna say more, PJ. I think I cut you off. No, about you totally her didn't. Um, oh, okay. If I have if I have any left, I think it might be that uh, Alan Silvestri's music during that moment by all means should like grease the wheels for me. Um, and this is, uh, Oh, Alan. Uh, sometimes he has this problem where he, he has to hit like a big emotion that you're supposed to be feeling like so, so hard, which is his great strength. But other times it can also kind of take you out of it. Um, and, I don't know. He he has he has a couple moments like that. Okay, so I was just winging all that. I forgot that I actually have some notes. Um, so I'm not gonna just like bring these all up at the end. But I do want to say I um would have loved to seen to have seen um the scene of Alex hijacking a do- double decker bus, <laughs> just like rip, j- ripping a door open and throwing the guy out like in Grand Theft Auto Five. Um, Bumdu didn't get that. Um, and. Also, I uh, when he says, "Hey, watch this suit on the train," um, just wanted to say that 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 he does. I that. love it. Oh, don't worry. I mean, of all the things in these movies that don't come back for part three, I, I want you to rest assured there's lots more Jonathan. And I don't know if you knew <laughs> this about him. He is afraid of mummies. Like he's kind of like, like I, he's so fucking scared of mummies. Like, he's so Super fucking... quick though, does he like gold? Oh, I can't. See, I I don't even like this movie, and I know he likes gold. Okay, I keep fucking that up. I'm like, John, he likes it, right? He's like, yes, he loves it. Doesn't like mummies. Loves gold. <laughs> Garfield ass characterization. Yeah, it's pretty. We're pretty spot on, though. I, there's there's so much Jonathan in movie three. Um, there's, but you know what? You know, it's one of the things that I think could have stood to come back um, and didn't. Ladies and gentlemen, people like me, <laughs> we're talking about Alan motherfucking Silvestri, the composer of this movie. Now, on, on episode one, we talked a lot about... Um, Jerry Goldsmith, uh, like a like a titan of of the entire medium of film scoring in in kind of his twilight years, banging out the Mummy. Um, mummy Returns is Sylvester's first time of two more collaborations with Stephen Summers, um, and it was also like kind of him returning to doing like big bombastic action scores after a period of not doing them and kind of focusing a little bit more on like grounded dramas and thrillers. And, and it feels like he's kind of like reclaiming a throne. I think he's a great successor to the kind of, uh, gigantic brassy heroic, uh, adventure thing that Goldsmith is doing. But Alan Silvestri is in a lot of ways, a very, very different kind of composer. Now, if you're not already familiar with Alan Silvestri, um, he is um, what John Williams is to Steven Spielberg or what Danny Elfman is to Tim Burton. Um, Alan Silvestri is that for Robert Zemeckis, where musically he's just that person's voice. And um, he's he's got a very, very clear 
uh, style and, and thing that he gets hired for. While he has a lot of range and he can do a lot of different kinds of movies, especially in his, like, Back to the Future action-adventure mode, Alan Silvestri music TM is a very, very clear quantity. And it's not always the most different from movie to movie. Like, a lot of action cues in this movie don't sound terribly different from, like, Van Helsing or his his score for the Avengers movies that he did. But it's so good. And he is so unbelievably precise um, at the technical aspects of scoring action in the way that it's almost like cartoon scoring, where every punch, leap, fall... Uh, minor victory, every kiss, every death, every stab, every swing of a sword is accentuated down to the microsecond. But he can also create within a sequence like this one big overarching piece of music. And while Goldsmith had done a lot of like really nuanced like dramas and, and different kinds of like smaller, grittier movies, Goldsmith can hit these kind of really nuanced emotions. Silvestri isn't really about complicated, nuanced emotions. He's kind of about a lot of them. You know, he he has this big, brassy, bouncy, uh, joyful personality in his, like, comedy and action scoring um, that's perfect for Stephen Summers, perfect for the sensibility of the Mummy movies, weirdly perfect for Brendan Fraser, um... His, if, if you had to describe, like, what his aesthetic is when he's scoring a lot of this stuff, it's kind of like, what if the American military were adorable? He, he loves... He <laughs> that's loves, so true. It's totally him. And that's, yeah. like, that's his Captain America music. That's his Avengers music. He, he's one of the most American-sounding composers. And he loves his, his marching snare drums. He loves a big hero theme. Um, and, and he loves doing big, dumb, hard on its sleeve, emotional stuff. Um, there's, there's a track from this movie that I had gotten really into in early college when I was doing like a, a Sylvester-y career binge. Um, I got really into this soundtrack and there's a track on it called My First Bus Ride. And if you just listen to that without watching the movie or like having a clear memory of what's going on, you would think to yourself, well, this must be the most emotional, exultant action sequence ever put to film. And then you watch it in the context and you're like, oh, yeah, I mean, this is a this is a pretty good scene. I mean, it's not going to do your fucking laundry, but it's pretty good. And, <laughs> you know, he Silvestri does a lot of movies, especially like starting in the 2000s, where he gets tasked to write like a hundred minutes of just straight action music. Um, Avengers, uh, not Endgame, Infinity War. That's the the Avengers movie that is just like one long, breathless, exhausting, nonstop action scene that that doesn't feel like a real movie. And at least like with Sylvester like returning to the series in that movie, 
to me anyway, at least the Marvel movies sound like they oughta. You know, he writes this music that sounds like a kid wrote it when they were playing with action figures. There's lots of oh no music. And there's lots of oh boy music. And again, he's very technically good at writing that stuff, but it also, and and this is where I connect it to like what's kind of going on with this movie is that I think after a hundred minutes of action music, it can start to get a little exhausting and whether your brain intellectually knows it or not, one of the things that can contribute to that is when a character theme starts to wear out its welcome and you feel like, again, whether or not you even know it's happening, you can kind of get sick of it. Like um, in, in Van Helsing, he has a couple recurring motifs for a lot of the action adventure stuff. And around the 18th time you hear, um, no matter how many key changes he puts it on, you, you, you start to feel a little bit tired. Now, he, he also just makes music that makes me feel joy and alive. And I think he has the most capital M movie, not a film sounding uh, uh, brand of movie scoring of like anyone who ever uh, conducted an orchestra. And he's also his own conductor, which is one of the things that I have a crush on about him. Hmm. And also he has a his own brand of wine and I, I drank it this summer because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm that bitch. Um, I think he contributes both to like the personality of this like golden age throwback thing that makes The Mummy Returns like kind of irresistible in its charms even when it's like exhausting and annoying. Um, but he also in, in his own ways can kind of uh, contribute to that thing. Um, but anyway, I mean, not not that I care about movie score. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a dorky trait for betas um, and cocks, and I'm not one. <laughs> uh, let's should we rank uh, this I sucker? I have one more cause... thing to say. Please, please. I have one more thing to say. <laughs> So I attributed a lot of my love to this as like Brendan and Rachel. I think I I think I misrepresented the dorkiness of my love for this movie as like they're so good, that's why I like it. I like it more than that. I think this movie is really fun. And that's something I did I feel like I didn't talk about enough is like and I think like you you do have to be on board at a certain point. Like right, you have to be on board to go with every single like journey and stuff. I think that each chapter of the journey is as fun as the characters. Like, I love the story as Mm. much as I love Rick and Evie. As silly as it is, as ridiculous as it is, and as complicated as it is, I think that it's really fun. And the reason that I buy it, and sorry, I'm not trying to dig on Spy Kids 2, but it's the freshest comparison (laughs) in my mind, is I feel like Spy Kids 2 didn't even take enough time with each of those things. Like, it it didn't feel as lived through to Mm. me. Like, it kind of, like, glossed over stuff. But for me, like, it... (laughs) Dixon's like, no. (laughs) For me, like, each thing, like, the London bus, you know, or the the London bus, the bus... (laughs) And not the 
American bus. <laughs> um, the bus scene, the jungle scene, like each part of it, as complicated and as silly as all of it is, I love each chapter because I feel like they exhaust their their possibilities and like they they do their best every. Th- I, I feel yeah. like I'm I'm rambling a little bit, but no, no, no. I just wanted no, I no. wanted to be clear that my love about this is as dorky as I love all of it, not just like. Mm, well, Brendan and Rachel were good because because I don't think that I'd be being honest then. No, I think you're completely like hard on hard on sleeve. Uh, there's you know I I just fucking love it. Love for this movie is is completely resonant and relatable to me. While maybe not about like this movie specifically, you're you're also totally. very obviously like not alone. Like, this is a movie mm-hmm. that... Th- this movie doesn't not exist. Like, this movie has <laughs> yeah. fans. This movie has people who who love it. And they don't just love Brendan and Rachel Weiss. And they don't just love um, the innumerable amount of very fuckable people in this cast Hot. that single-handedly turned people bisexual. They, they love... Yeah. They love the ride. They love the balloon ride. Yeah. And maybe they love you know, the the action sequences, or maybe they love this sort of, like, doe-eyed, dorky wonder that this thing has about history. However problematic aspects of it are, it also, it totally. also has this, like, this wonder about the past and, like, looking into it that is perfect for a series that has, like, an archaeologist librarian hero. Or maybe they love the music and i think all of the the feelings that like you can't help but kind of have about this movie which i don't think need to be defended i i think they're all right there mm. uh, yeah i think um the people who like this movie aren't as smart as me <laughs> 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 Wait, like no i i'm not I, saying you're I saying don't... that just yeah, <laughs> no 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 i i, I know i know kind of said that I'm saying it. (laughs) (laughs) It's true because it's a fact. (laughs) No, no, not at all. And like, and like I was saying earlier, there, there are so many movies that I think are worse than this one that I will still like defend with the passion um, that, that these folks, uh, you know, you included Becky, like I, I just like this movie bums me out. (laughs) Like it's, it's just all of this stuff that I, that like, I, I took issue with in the first one done somehow both at a 10 constantly and also more hollowly. Yeah. If, if everything's at a 10, nothing is, mm. is sort of how I feel about this movie. And like, again, I don't want to, I don't want to like be shitty to, cause ultimately this is, it, this, there are so many reasons, like you're saying PJ to like this movie. I, they're just, I can't find those eat shit yeah Mm. yeah i totally hear that totally and i think your i think your um qualms with it uh especially the fact that like they are things you detected in the first one that they doubled down on like that i that makes perfect sense to me where that doesn't happen for me is because Mm -hmm. i didn't mind them in the first one so them doubling down on it was just like a different direction rather than a worse one for me but i totally hear that and they were they were also right to do it because the movie made half a billion dollars like you know really like fuck me (laughs) i like you guys you you clearly made the right moves here (laughs) oh man i i know we got to move on to to rankings but i i want to just throw 
a little respect towards... I, I don't know how we got through this whole thing and never talked about Sean Parks as Izzy. Oh, right. Izzy, good call, I was just going to say that. Incredible. One of the good things in this movie, I think, Definitely. honestly. Yeah. He showed up. Yeah. And I also think the good thing about Izzy is that Izzy brings out sort of the O'Connell energy from the first yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. That's a great point. In a lot of this, like, just like, just like the, like, rogue asshole, like, he accidentally gets shot around him, like, O'Connell is a piece of shit, but we love him kind of thing. Like, I, Izzy really brings that out in moments, and it's because, you know... It, he knows he knows him from that time in Rick mm-hmm. O'Connell's life, so it to me it feels appropriate that there's like a dash of that, and that the entire movie isn't. I mean, he would be a shitty dad if he yeah. was the same Rick O'Connell. That's I true. think. Um, but yeah, I I really enjoy Izzy. Mm-hmm. I think he's a really great yeah. addition to the film. There's a line. There's a there's a line where Rick presents him with his theoretical payment for transporting them in the dirigible which is is a like a golden like idol trophy thing of some kind and that's what flips izzy into being willing to help him and he says if i get that thing from you you can shave my head wax my legs and use me as a surfboard and then which is already a little bit like oh oh (laughs) and then you know what brendan says to him is he says didn't we do that in Tripoli? And, oh. you know, I i mean, no joke. Like, one of the things that I do like is constantly alluding to the idea that, like, Rick O'Connell has had, like, a bazillion adventures that each one could be their own little mini movie or their own little, like, mm. airport novel. Yeah. That's fun. But it also, I don't want to read an airport novel about what happened there. I would like to go onto Archive of Our Own. <laughs> And read about what was going on there. Because, I mean, like, the the whole, like, the Mummy series is bisexual thing mostly feels like, in some places, like, we're giving it too much credit for uh, the uh, unbelievable innovation of putting attractive people in front of the camera. And then there's the moment where uh, they talk about doing weird kink stuff with each other. And then they blow right past it. And I say, no, 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 no. Hmm. I, I would like to watch. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Because I would say that I am fully projecting when giving it that credit. I am too. But that is a, that is a suspect line. What's going on there, Rick? Let's what you been up out. to with Izzy? Let's find Hot. Out. We could really get into it, but let's do so, rankings uh, instead. Yeah. So I... um. I'm going to place this third. I have a hard time imagining that I'll like the Tom Cruise one more. But I like I think just because of the amount of time that has passed and uh, the recasting and everything, uh, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor is going to have to do some work. This like it's going to have to you know like concretely explain some things to us it's got to be a different it's going to be a different setting there's going to be like even if all of the new stuff it tries fucking stinks there's going to be a lot of new stuff tried whereas i just don't think that was the Mm. case with this movie this movie was just like all of the stuff from the first one that um summers was like well i guess that's what they really liked and then done again uh s- slower but louder 
you know? <laughs> I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. Becky, what's your ranking? Oh, boy. This <laughs> is my first one, okay? <laughs> I, I just love it. And, um, I was just thinking, like, why do I love it more than the first one? Because, like, obviously, like, the origin story is, like, why we love the series of, like, their love and stuff, like... But I just love this movie. I, I think what it is, it's like, it's almost like the way you love Forrest Gump for like each chapter of the film mm. is something to look forward to. Whereas the other one, it the, the mummy feels more like one adventure. This feels like many different set, like, I just love this movie. I do. I love it so much. I don't, I I can't <laughs> tell if it's bad and that's why I love it. So I put this first and then I put the mummy second. Yeah, I think that, I think yeah. that's what I got so far. Uh, PJ? Ooh, um, gonna be really, really tough. I think first is probably gonna have to be the mummy. Um, this is very, very clearly a second one for me. I think, you know, I haven't seen the, the Tom Cruise movie yet. Um, I sight unseen, I kind of hold some weird resentment me for too. it. And I, I wonder, I wonder if I'm going to still feel that if it shows up and acts like a functional movie. So I'm going to say my third one is going to be um, The Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood. And then I think the fourth, <laughs> I'm probably going to... It's been a while since I've seen uh, Mummy 3. And and I, I've also had like very evolving, like complicating feelings about Brendan since then. So I'm interested to see like what a rewatch yields. But I think... Fourth, I'm probably gonna have to put Cadet Kelly. Um, so that would be that would be my ranking. Um, I oh I forgot to say that the rest for me would be that I'm gonna put Tom Cruise Mummy third, and then Chinese Tomb Emperor. Of, What's the it called? Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Tomb of the Dragon Emperor last because I can't forgive them and I can barely <laughs> stomach the idea that they recast evie what the fuck is wrong with them and also i'm going to jail for killing someone about it that's so stupid mm -hmm. just kill her off just don't have her in the movie are you sure are you sure you'd prefer that they that they kill her off over recasting her absolutely Damn. i can't she is why it's like so good like yeah. I don't know. I mean, I hate that she would have died. Then it's like, yeah. don't even have a movie, I guess. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm really struggling with it. I, I guess we'll... We, we have a whole third episode where we can talk about, like, where the Mummy series would have gone from there. But I do believe the intention was that they were going to try to make more movies in, like, different parts of the globe where they, they desecrate... Um, a whole rainbow of different graves and tombs. Um, and uh, our heroes. Our heroes. Um, should I should I wait for the next episode to talk about what Mummy Four was going to be and where it was gonna I be think set? So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wait, please. All right. I don't want to know anything before I watch it. Oh, I I have a question. Um, 
Yeah. And th- this is this is an icebreaker question that I should use more often. What's your what's your sort of like fantasy scenario with Brendan? Because mm. I think I know mine. I want him to swing on a vine into me. <laughs> okay. Watch out for that, Peach. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, um, it would be just tossing the old pigskin around. Like mm. he would be, I, I feel like he would be very patient with me in, you know, my need to take some time to figure out how to toss the pigskin. Um, and mm. I think he'd be considerate with the pigskin. Yeah. Kind to mm. it. Gentle with it. Yeah. Uh, this is so hard. I think if I just want to be in some kind of very precarious danger and he is like, him from 2001 (laughs) maybe 99 no definitely Mm -hmm. 99 it's Mm -hmm. him from 99 and he helps me and confuses me so i get to like you know sort of like sit in that for the rest of the time i'm gonna change mine i always want to just kind of be walking down the sidewalk with him and then he uh encounters a situation uh, he's been in before and he goes here we go again <laughs> <laughs> mine is i take him to a halloween party and he sees like someone in the corner and he goes oh i hate mummies <laughs> and then i'm just like oh i love that part of your film <laughs> dead horse is becky granger dixon cashwell and pj audenzia We'd like to thank Max Huffman for our podcast art, so go to maxhuffman.com and order his book, Cover Not Final. To follow us on social media, check us out at, at Dead Horse Podcast on Instagram and at Dead Horse The Pod on Twitter. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please rate us five stars and talk about the health benefits of vaping. This miniseries' theme song comes courtesy of Tyler Hobbs, aka Buckhead Shaman. Follow him at, at Buckhead Shaman on Instagram fucking thing was like two hours long you still listening to this you good what are you like the fucking best or something okay time for bed now bye bye